listening to the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a New Zealander living her best life in Fukushima, Japan. I'm a podcast consultant and the creator of Pod Launch with Jane, a system that helps you create your dream podcast without all the drama and hassle, leaving you more free time to do the things you love to do. This show is for people who want to hear stories of women who are doing amazing things here in Japan and across the world. You'll find loads of inspiration for how you can live your best life wherever you are. I'm glad you're here. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, living here in Fukushima Prefecture, Japan, and very much enjoying the autumn weather that is here. Hooray for that. I know it may go away again, but I'm so happy to have this reprieve from summer. It's been 20, 22 degrees for the last few days, and we've been able to go outside and and actually walk around and enjoy the weather, enjoy the scenery, which is really nice after quite a few days of it being over 30 degrees and very humid. And just having, for example, having to take the dog for a walk at lunchtime and it's absolutely roasting outside and we would just nip around the side of the house or around the back streets where there's a bit of shade for him to go and do his, you know, his business. Yes, it was not fun. And being in Japan in summer is one of my most unfavorite things about Japan. It's one of the few unfavorite things I have about Japan. So I'm so happy to be through that and hooray for autumn. I do love autumn. I don't know if you've seen the memes about that person who is always going on about how wonderful autumn is with their pumpkin spice lattes and their fall decorations. I think it's kind of an American thing, but that is kind of me as well. Yes. <laughs> I love autumn. I love winter too, even, especially here in Iwaki where it's quite sunny and it's quite pleasant apart from being cold and windy. So thank you for joining me again today. I hope everyone is at school where you are, if you have kids and that you are able to do your work without being interrupted I have found that it's just something I've really appreciated with the kids going back to school and just even having, I think it's five hours or something that they're away. I'll take it. Yep. It's really nice to refresh and have that quiet time to focus on my work and to do things like record my podcast for you. So today I actually have a guest on the show. Her name is Mayuko Okai. She is from, I'm going to say she is Japanese, but she grew up in the United States and recently moved back to Japan. And she lives in Nagano Prefecture, which is a very beautiful part of Japan, which I really have to get to some at some point. So Mayuko is an actually a registered dietitian, a yoga teacher, and she's also the founder of Food Liberation. So this is her coaching program that helps people to, with mindful eating, I want to say, with intuitive eating is her thing. So recently she published her first book, which is a journal to help people to improve their intuitive eating or to go on a journey and learn more about their eating. And yeah, she also works one-to-one -one with people and has online courses as well. So if not enjoying eating or having lots of rules around eating is you, for example, maybe you 
indulge and then you berate yourself or you binge and then you fast and then you're not having a sort of a happy relationship with food. And this is definitely the episode for you. And perhaps you're someone who's completely fine about food, but perhaps there's someone around you who is also suffering from this kind of thing. And yeah, maybe it'd be helpful to know more about it at that so that you can maybe direct them to this episode or direct them to Mayoko to have a look at what she does. And I'm so happy to have another English speaking woman who can help us with these things in Japan, who understands what it's like to live in Japan, what it's like to be a person who maybe doesn't fit in body shape wise, feet wise is something I mentioned in the episode. I have not overly huge feet in my own country. My feet are very average size, but maybe slightly towards a bigger size, but here in Japan, there are no shoes for me. Um, maybe I can find running shoes. That's about it. So even just not being able to find shoes, I find a little, I have found to be quite demoralizing. Yeah. Just to know that there's nothing for you out there in the shops. So don't even look or don't bother to look. Things are getting better in Japan slightly, but it's still, there's still a long way to go to accept that people have more, have feet, for example, that are bigger than the 23.5 centimeters that is the standard size here. And I was really shocked when I came to Japan nearly 20 years ago that shoes came in small, medium, and large. And I was thinking, how is that possible that shoes are in sizes, small, medium, large? That doesn't make sense. But if you've lived here for a while, you know that Japanese people tend to not really wear shoes a lot. And wearing shoes can be just to get from A to B and then they come off again. And you, for example, at work, even you will wear your indoor shoes. So you just need something on your feet to get to where you're going because you're going to take them off again. And so it seems like shoes haven't really been, you know, it's not something you're going to spend all day on your feet. And so they are not quite the same as you would expect in other countries. So yes, that if you're thinking of coming to Japan, that's another tip is just be make sure you bring shoes that are easy to put on and take off because you'll be doing it quite a lot probably. So let's get on with our episode with Mayuko today. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi Mayuko, welcome to the Transformations with Jane podcast. It's great to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, Jane. I'm really excited to be here. So please give our listeners a little intro, your, your jiko shokai, a little self-introduction as to who you are and where you're from and, and why we're talking today. Yes, uh, I'm Mayuko Okai and I'm from Los Angeles. I grew up in California. I just came to Japan last fall in October, so almost a year. And I'm a registered dietitian in the US. I'm an intuitive eating coach, a yoga teacher, and now an author. And I help mindful individuals who want to transform their relationship with food so that they can focus on what's truly important to them. Yeah, that's it. So that's who you help. Yeah. So what does that mean exactly? Yeah. So intuitive eating is a way to get back into your body. So listening and tuning into your body, listening to your hunger cues and giving your body what it needs instead of dieting and listening to what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to eat, what not to eat, what's good for you, what's bad for you, how much you should weigh, 
how you should look, just letting go of all of those expectations that have been fed to us through media and just society in general, and just coming back and just really being able to tune into yourself and your body and saying, okay, my body needs this. I can nourish myself in a way that's that's intuitive. And if you can do that, you don't have to, you know, keep going on different types of diets, losing weight, gaining the weight back and struggling. And so many people struggle with obsessing about food and obsessing about how they should look. And it takes away from their life. It takes away from, you know, being able to focus on their family, being able to focus on their hobbies and, you know, everything. And so I help people remove those obstacles because I think the most important thing for me, my message and my mission is to help people align to their purpose and be really true to themselves and live out their full life. But if food is in the way, if body image is in the way, then, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate. And that's my background in food uh, as a dietitian. So mm. that's how I came to helping people in a mindful way. And, and a sustainable way to to nourish themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess a lot of people don't know until they're on the other side just how much of a mental load this worrying mm-hmm. about food, worrying about their appearance, worrying about their weight is and how much it does get in the way of them being able to do what they really want to do or exactly. you know, lack of confidence and all those things. So, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. really glad to have you on the show today. So you said you grew up in America and, and you've just mm-hmm. arrived back in Japan. So whereabouts mm-hmm. are you in Japan at the moment? I'm in Nagano. So in the really beautiful uh, nature, <laughs> surrounded by mountains and trees and uh, tambo, so rice fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nagano looks amazing. I have never been there. This is really shocking. Ooh. And, and and when I was 16 or so, we had a Japanese exchange student come and live with us for a month. And she was from Nagano, of all places. And so I thought, when I grow up, I want to go to Japan and I want to go to Nagano, this amazing place that I've heard about and looks amazing. I've seen her photos of, you know, where she's from and all of this and never been there. Never quite made it there. <laughs> I've been, you have to visit. <laughs> I go past sort of that general direction to get to Totori, but never been to Nagano. So that's mm. definitely on my go-to list. And there's quite a, um, there's some other very nice people who I know who live in Nagano as well. Mm-hmm. So from Tokyo, how long does it take you to get to Tokyo? Around three hours. Three hours. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're further away from Tokyo than I am here in Fukushima. Like, uh, is that by car or a train? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's around the same three hours, okay. around three hours, three and a half hours by train and car. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, we're like two and two hours and 20 minutes by train, mm. slightly closer <laughs> in, in that sort of respect to, to Tokyo. I So there's no Shinkansen near you where you are? Uh, not where I am. You, know, you have to take a train out to take the Shinkansen in okay. Naganoshi, which is, yeah, it's a little bit farther out. So Okay. Mm, yeah. I see. So yeah, beautiful, beautiful nature, obviously, where you are. So what brings you to Nago? Is there any particular reason why you decided to go there? Yeah, good question. So there's this retreat center in Azumino where I'm in right now, and I fell in love with it years ago. I I went and stayed there a couple times. The food was delicious, just the whole vibe and everything. I just fell in love with it. And I always dreamt about living here. And it just never really felt like a possibility. It was just more like a dream. And with the pandemic, 
I just felt like, you know, if I could live anywhere I wanted to now having my work all online, I was like, where could I go? And I was like, I want to go to Nagato. <laughs> and I wanted to be in nature. I was, I was getting tired of being in the city in Los Angeles. Mm. I wanted to be somewhere quiet, connecting to nature. And so I just, I just picked this place and I just packed up myself and came here. <laughs> That's pretty, I mean, obviously it's not your first time to come to Japan or anything like that, but mm-hmm. that is pretty epic as far as like changing your life goes to just sort of pick up and yeah. go to somewhere where you, I mean, you've been there before, right? It wasn't your very first trip to Nagano, right? Yeah. Well, Nagano, I've been literally just to the retreat center. Yeah, yeah. You've been to this retreat center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Japan, I came to, well, to Tokyo every summer because that's where my grandparents lived. Mm. So I did that every every summer growing up. But other than that, I never really lived in Japan before. <laughs> but I did have a really strong identity to to being Japanese. And so I always wanted to live here. I and, and it just never panned out. And I was like, you know what? This is this is an opportunity. And yeah, not now. When? Yeah. 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 Mm. And it's been really great. It's been it has been the right choice. And I'm really happy to be here. And I don't, I don't really think I'll be going back to the US. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure, but that's how happy I am here. Mm. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> so you so what were some of the things when you got got there you were like wow this is not how I thought it would be it could be in a good way or a bad way but going through that transition from California to Nagano yeah I mean it was expected but the seasons Mm. you know going through autumn winter which was really really long (laughs) Mm. but every season has been so beautiful and seeing all of the plants the flowers that grow very I don't know. It's like they're on the schedule. It's like throughout the area in the region, you know, it's first the dandelions and then it's, you know, iris or, you know, poppies, all of these. And they have this whole schedule that I never really paid attention before to before. And probably because I was like, I think dandelions grow all year in California. I don't, I think, you know, so it was just really (laughs) surprising Mm -hmm. to see such clear distinction between not just the four seasons, but within the seasons, you know, with the rainy season and then the real summer season, which was surprisingly really hot here. It was pretty similar to Los Angeles weather, sure, but the mm-hmm. summer was super short. So now we're already entering fall and a little bit cold right now. So, so yeah, it's been really, really great. And a lot of bugs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of bugs. And I'm not a bug person at all but they've been really fascinating to, to look at. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're, you're taking it that way. <laughs> Except for spiders, but. <laughs> and you haven't, have you seen the spiders? They're going to go mad in the next couple of weeks. They're going oh to goodness. go wild. I'm sorry, but. Oh no, <laughs> I'm not prepared for that. He, even here where I live, like just between like massive trees, you'll see these huge spider webs. And I'm like, how did they build? How did you guys build that? You're just teeny weeny spiders, but they're not that teeny weeny. They're as big as my nose, kind of like spiders, quite big. Oh, they're gigantic here. Yeah, big and ones, right? They come into the house. Oh, they come into your house. Oh, you need to get a house where they can't come in. <laughs> then you'll I'm be moving happy. soon. I'm moving soon. <laughs> oh, okay. So there it'll you be go. okay. There you go. Yeah. 
perks of being really in nature right now. <laughs> yeah, the nature is with you. I, the, I like to keep my Japanese nature outside. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, these older houses, they sort of have all these holes where things can come in somehow, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you wait, you just wait until you see that what the spiders get up to in 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 the real fall. It's amazing what they do. Uh, mm, I have the chills, yeah. but yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I signed up for. Yeah, you sign up for this, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really nice that you're observing all of these things. And yeah, Nagano's mm-hmm. seasons are pretty extreme right like you've got the super cold and the super hot and all everything Mm -hmm. in between uh here in coastal fukushima we are not as extreme as that here but it's it's a much more sort of temperate climate here which i'm kind of grateful for especially in Mm, summer and again in winter yeah Yeah. and it's very Mm -hmm. sunny here where you guys probably have more cloudy rainy Mm. snowy days right probably yeah it's really nice to be able to enjoy those seasons that's definitely mm-hmm. something special about japan whatever part of japan mm-hmm. you're in yeah mm-hmm. okay so you went all online with your your work it's now completely online mm-hmm. so you can live anywhere in the world and you're making the most of your life in nagano so that's really great so tell us a little bit about the people the kind of people that you help with your intuitive eating work that you do and mm-hmm. yeah tell us a little bit about those clients sure so I've been working mostly with English speaking clients so far, and I, I am planning to expand to Japanese clients moving forward. But with the English speaking clients, mostly uh, US based, they have been a pretty diverse group, ages anywhere from teenagers to 70, and mostly women who struggle with food anywhere from disordered eating. So binge eating, I've had some eating disorders and some people who just want to connect with their bodies and they have, they're on this, you know, path, they're on this journey, whether it's spiritual or self-development. And it's this one component that's still missing. Oh, food. I'm not connected to food. I'm not really connected to my body and how I interact with food. So It's either to expand and to grow and have a stronger, deeper connection to food and their body, or it's to really heal as in really taking a look at why am I struggling with just eating something simple as a piece of chocolate or a piece of bread, right? Things that they love. And it's really, it's really unfortunate to see so many people, especially at a young age, not be able to eat. Eating is, you know, basic uh, basics of life and to eat something that's pleasant to be able to enjoy food. It's just, it's just such a simple thing. And to see people struggling with that, it really, it really pains me. And so I help people walk them through their relationship to food, starting with just really taking a look at their lives and saying, okay, what is it that you really want to do? What is your vision? What is it that you imagine for your life and going from there and saying, okay, so what is your relationship with food? And some people have actually a lot of people at a young age have had a lot of comments about their bodies, maybe from their parents. And they're very well-intentioned, right? Because they're concerned about their children's health. And so they say, oh, maybe you shouldn't be eating that, or, you know, you're, you're getting bigger, uh, whatever those comments are it's very painful to them and they carry it from childhood into their twenties and thirties and forties. And they develop binge eating 
um, a lot of guilt associated with eating, emotional eating, or restrictive behaviors, um, obsessive uh, behaviors with fitness. So it just it's just anywhere in the spectrum of you know restriction to eating eating a lot and being out of control. So whether it's food or the relationship with uh, fitness and, and their body. So, you know, it's, it's anywhere in that realm that I can help with. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I also personally have always struggled with my own eating mm-hmm. and eating. Uh, I didn't realize that I was eating for stress relief mm-hmm. or yeah, as a way to avoid feeling things. Yeah. Right. Until, oh, what was, how old was I when I first figured that out? It was thirties in my sort of mid to Mm. late thirties to realize that my, I wasn't using drugs or I wasn't using alcohol. I was Mm -hmm. using food in -hmm. these ways, you know, to, to deal with the feelings I didn't want to feel or the stress or whatever it was. Right. So yeah, I think it's never too, too late to, to realize that you have these things and you can work on them. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. More than 30 years of experience with doing these kind of <laughs> um, behaviors that we, these learned behaviors that we have, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really encourage you to get in contact with Mayuko if what she's been talking about resonates with you. What are some of the sort of the the signs that someone should should look at working with someone like yourself what are some of the mm-hmm. like it may because a lot of people are unaware and like I just said I was unaware mm-hmm. I just was like why am I always so big where is my why am I always mm. why can't I just think normally about food or be normal mm. around food like other people can I didn't realize what, mm-hmm. exactly what the problem was so yeah what are some of the I guess the the signs giveaways, of... signs. Yes. What are these signs that someone should think about talking to you? Yeah. So I think some things that you can ask yourself is, do you have rules around food? So they might not be very defined rules, or you might not be on a diet per se, but you might have some thoughts about carbohydrates being bad for you, sweets being something that you're not supposed to eat. It might be, you know, fatty foods that you can eat on certain occasions, or you have to deserve the food. If you feel like you have to do something good in order to deserve something yummy, then there's something there to look at. (laughs) Yeah. If you have guilt with food, if you're counting calories or, you know, being restrictive with food. Another sign is if you say, okay, I'm I exercise today so I can eat whatever, right? Or I ate something, look at that. And another thing is to look at if you're a binge eater, if you're a stress eater, you know, if you're just, you know, if your hand is just moving, (laughs) you know, to the bag of chips and you just unknowingly finish a whole bag of chips, right? What happened there, right? It's very, very mindless. And we do that because we want to fill a void, right? It's something similar to what you were saying. You you don't want to feel your feelings. And we we all do something to an extent, right? We watch TV because we want to numb out. We go online shopping. Some people drink alcohol. Some people go gambling. It's, It's different for everyone. And, you know, it's not a bad thing to eat when you're feeling upset, 
But if this is a very regular thing that you're going to, and it's becoming, it's becoming a problem where you're going through the cycle of eating a lot, feeling guilty, restricting, getting stressed, and then cheating, you know, that's, that's a cycle that could get worse and worse. And it can lead to disordered eating and eating disorders. So, and that can be really, really serious. It could be a life-threatening illness. So just really taking a pause and saying, what is my relationship to food? Do I enjoy food? Do I see food as bad? Or is there tension between myself and food? You know, do I hate my body? You know, how do you view your body? How do you connect with your body? Some people don't think about their bodies. They're like, okay, I'm my brain and my body (laughs) is something else. (laughs) It's separated. So Mm. yeah, taking a look at those those things and asking those questions can be can be a start. All righty. Yeah. So if that's you and you would like some help, you can find all of the information about Mayuko in the show notes as usual and make sure you reach out to her. So what do you do if someone reaches out to you? What sort of, what's the process of starting working with you? What happens? Sure. Sure. I have a few options. Uh, first of all, on my website, I have a free downloadable emotional eating workbook. And I also just released my book, which is a uh, Actually, it's a journal, so it's more of like a workbook. It's a journal for emotional eating. So if, you, if you're someone who's struggling with emotional eating, you can go to that, and there's a lot of mindful exercises there. I also have a self-guided course. So I have a three-month course where I guide you through uh, just really taking a look at your relationship with food and going through mindfulness, connecting to your body, emotional eating, just all of the steps of intuitive eating. And intuitive eating is has 10 principles. And I break them down into four digestible pieces. And so you can either go through a self-guided course or one-on-one coaching. So it's the Mm -hmm. same course you can either choose to do on your own or to meet with me and really get that customized approach to healing your relationship with food. Yeah, I think that's really important that uh, people know about what you are doing and know that you are here in Japan and that you understand where they're coming from and the the life that people live here, also the kinds of food that we deal with on a daily basis or the kinds of mm-hmm. social situations we're faced with here in Japan, that you might not mm-hmm. get that kind of support from someone who is in another country or has you know zero background on what it's like to live in Japan. So I think we're very lucky to have someone like you here uh, who can mm-hmm. speak English with us English speakers. And <laughs> I've always found that if there is something I've wanted to do for myself or to improve myself over the years, it's been a struggle to find someone in Japan who understands mm. where I'm coming from. And I don't have to explain all the stuff. Yeah. It's really nice to find those people who have that shared experience of knowing what it's like to be mm. in Japan. Yeah. And don't don't need to explain so many things. You can understand exactly. the the environment that you're potentially in. That's really nice. So, yeah, it's really great that we have this growing network of of women doing these kinds of things in mm-hmm. Japan as well. It's, yeah, it's really really exciting. Another sort of similar topic I'm going to do in the near future is with uh, Dr. Mira Simich who is mm. also a member of the same group that we're in. Yes, make much better. Who is a psychologist and to have an English speaking psychologist in Japan is just like amazing. We have these people here and they, they understand you. And this is, this is getting more and more valuable. It's so Mm -hmm. valuable. Right. And it's so important that people know about these things are here. Yeah. You don't have to put up with this. You don't have to suffer with this. You can get help and, and you, 
but from someone who does understand you. So mm-hmm. yeah, so excited about this growing community <laughs> of professional women doing these amazing things here in Japan. Yeah. So what's coming for you now you've got this book out, you've released a journal. Mm-hmm. That's so exciting. Tell us a little bit about that process, because I know that there's people listening who would mm-hmm. be like, oh, well, I would love to do something like that. Was it difficult for you to write your own book? You know, I have a really funny story about, about that. So um, I, I wrote the book earlier this year and I had several weeks to write it, not a lot of time. So I had to really sit myself down and type away. This is my first book, a first time I had to write in this length. And I found myself snacking a lot. (laughs) I brought out my snacks and I was Ah. like, I need all of these drinks and, you know, munchies in order to write. Mm. And I was laughing at myself and I did it for a couple of days and I was like, okay, I'm being hypocritical right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm emotional yeah. eating. <laughs> yeah. And first I was like, no, I just have to get through this. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, let me take my own advice. <laughs> yeah. What's your and... advice in this situation to yourself? What did you do? <laughs> yeah. So this book is on emotional eating. So my advice is, well, first of all, I put all the snacks away and I made sure that I was eating all of my meals and made sure that I was, you know, satisfied before I started working. So I wouldn't get hungry, but I also scheduled my time wisely. So I made time blocks and scheduling is a really actually, uh, time management is a really important part of how I coach people. So I say, okay, if your time management is all over the place, you're probably going to be eating all day long. Right. So you know, eat when you're going to eat. And when you're going to work, you're going to work. And so I chunked my times. I, I blocked out probably anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour and a half to write. And during that time, I was just focused on writing. I put my phone away because, you know, going to your phone is kind of like eating, yeah. right? Like scrolling. It's just like numbing yeah. yourself. Yeah. The same thing. So put my phone away, put my food away. And I just, you know, I just worked. And you know, it wasn't, I wasn't being super strict about it. I wasn't like, I have to get it done or I have, I have to meet a certain goal Um, because this is about being compassionate and, you know, connecting to your body. So I I made rough guidelines for myself. Okay. I'm going to work. I'm going to write for the next hour. And after that, if I'm hungry, I'm going to have a snack, you know, and it was very, very gentle, but there were boundaries. (laughs) So it worked out. So I only did the emotional eating for a couple of days. And the rest of the time I, I was able to manage uh, without the emotional eating. Mm, that's very human too. Like even, <laughs> you know, even the coach does it and then, oh, look at me, look at me doing what I'm teaching other people not to do, but you caught onto it and you got on with it and, and the book got done. It got done. Yeah, yes. It got done. <laughs> So there was obviously something around the way that you initially approached it that needed a little more, as you said, gentle boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to eat at this time. I'm going to work at this time. Mixing them does not work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it got done. Yeah, this book is now out. At, by the time we uh, mm-hmm. this podcast will have been released, your book is out in the world and people can. Yay. <laughs> would you recommend it as something that people do first or or is it like a, a jumping off point to working with you or concurrently or where they just sort of would like to explore it by themselves or? Yeah. So if you're someone who you know that you're a stress eater and you would like a mindful relationship with food, but maybe it's not a huge, huge challenge for you. It's just something that you'd like to work on. The book might be a good place to start, but let's say you're someone you, 
that's saying, I know I really need the help. I need that one-on-one help. I need to sit down and, you know, really commit to something for the next three months. And I would, I would probably go into the coaching. You get a lot of the handholding and, you know, accountability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. accountability and very cust- highly customized approaches. So yeah, um, it just really depends and on your awareness. So if you're not sure, you might start with a book, you might start with, you know, the free guide and just, just kind of check out what it's about. And it just really depends on your uh, readiness. Yeah. As a continually recovering emotional eater, there's a lot of shame around this topic, right? So mm-hmm. what would you say to people who are sort of struggling to reach out for help? Yeah. So first I would just know that it's okay. It's okay to struggle with food. It's okay to struggle with your body. It's very normal. It's very common. It's very, very prevalent, but maybe being in Japan, if you are in Japan or anywhere else, it might not be as talked about, especially in Japan. I have found that disordered eating is not spoken of. The awareness is very, very little compared to the US. And so it's okay, you know, having issues with emotional eating or stress eating. It's not something that you can just, you know, discipline yourself back to, right? I mean, some people can, but if you're having a hard time with that, it's okay. And so first accept it as a problem. And there are a lot of people that can help you, especially in English speaking settings, Mm. not so much Japan, unfortunately, not yet, but it is something that can uh, be helped and disordered eating is something that you can heal. So, you know, don't, don't panic about it. Don't feel ashamed about it, accept it and explore, you know, connect to your body and see what your relationship with yourself and your body is. We would start from there. Yeah. You're not broken. You're just, just need some help to exactly, exactly. Get the wheel back on the rail or whatever it is. We, yes. we all need some kind of help. <laughs> Did you notice any difference between like you just mentioned that, you know, that Japan is a different kind of mm-hmm. environment to America. And I know coming mm-hmm. here, it was a major blow to my, to whatever self sort of not worth, but you know, self image that I had. Mm -hmm. Wow. Everybody Mm -hmm. here is so tiny and Mm -hmm. even like just feet, something like feet, you cannot control Mm -hmm. the size of your foot. Right. 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 I cannot find shoes. My feet are too Mm -hmm. big. I'm not not even big in my own country. I'm kind of medium sized, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's not, it's not something like clothing, which can make you feel even worse, but something like even shoes, finding Mm -hmm. some shoes to wear, (laughs) you can start to develop a complex about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you notice anything like that on your end when you arrived here in Japan? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think clothing size is, is so different, you know, first of all, Mm. but also again, the awareness of disordered eating and eating disorder is very, very limited. So you're expected to look a certain way, especially in Japan where most people look around the same size, right? And so you're just expected to fit in these sizes, one of three sizes. Yeah. <laughs> Just the three. Right. Small, medium, large. Right. It used to be small and me- medium, right? Even like large didn't exist. Right. Right. And, you know, size and small, medium, large is not the same as small, medium, large in the US. <laughs> right. It's a completely different 
different sizing uh, scale. And so, and with media, right? So you look at magazines and TV and, you know, you're supposed to look a certain way. There's these beauty standards that are very, very unrealistic for most people, which is the same in other countries as well. But I think in Japan, where it's a very homogenous country compared to most others, I mean, especially coming from Los Angeles, you know, it's it's really unfortunate that there's very little diversity and to be able to accommodate for, you know, people who are in marginal sizes, right? And if you're not eating a certain way, then you're not trying hard enough, right? There's obviously something wrong <laughs> with your character that you cannot be this, right. this you know, size S, right. S size uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're you're considered lazy, right? Yeah. And the movement of body diversity, which I was used to in the US, is not here yet. I think a lot of things in Japan is still behind, right? And so, and you know, there are some people like Watanabe Naomi and yeah, different. Say, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really, really appreciate people like that coming forward and saying it's okay to be a different size. And, but, you know, it's, it's still just starting out. So I think it's really important that we see more of that and more awareness. And when I was researching the Japanese market, I was, I wanted to know who can I reach out to? Who can I help? And I was looking for words like disordered eating Mm -hmm. and I couldn't find disordered eating. So Mm -hmm. You know, there's a word for eating disorder, which is uh, a diagnosis, right? Mm-hmm. But disordered eating is a behavior that can that anyone can have. Anyone can exhibit these behaviors of you know binging or you know anything. But this word, I couldn't find it, and I I found out it doesn't exist in Japan. Okay. There's no, <laughs> I, I don't think there's a translation yeah. for it, right? Right. So it's either you know it doesn't exist, or you have an eating disorder. You're a medical, yeah, you're. Right. You're in the hospital kind of type. Right, right. And the treatment with Mm. eating disorder is very limited too. And I'm not trying to work with, you know, eating disorder. I'm trying to work with those who are, you know, struggling to have a good relationship with food, someone who wants to enjoy food. And so, you know, that awareness is still lacking. Intuitive eating doesn't exist in Japan. It hasn't been, the book hasn't been translated in Japan. And so that's something that I need to, (laughs) you know, step forward and, you know, release this information in Japanese and to make it available to the public. Mm. So mm. that's my next step. Okay. Well, that's exciting. We'll look at, look forward to you putting your foot in the water in that world as well. <laughs> so something new and different mm-hmm. and challenging for you as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking us through uh, what intuition uh, in- Intuitive, intuitive eating, <laughs> intuitive eating <laughs> is, and and what it might look like if you're not doing intuitive eating, to give people some more sort of ideas about why they may not be what there's something not quite right with their the way they mm-hmm. think about food or or the fact that they may be been carrying this around with them and not noticed it and just always thought there was something wrong with them, but this it's not, yeah. Yeah, and we will put links for your book in the show notes and people can get in contact with you uh, through your website and everything as well. So yeah, please check those out and yeah, please get in contact with Mayuko. She she will definitely be a wonderful supporter for you, I'm sure. Thank you so much. So any last words? 
notes before we sign off? Hmm. Anything you want to leave our listeners with? Sure. So I'm, I'm just really happy to be here to support those globally now, both, you know, English speakers and Japanese speakers and in different ways. So I'm happy to hear from anyone, you know, if they're experiencing certain challenges with food, with their body, you know, anything with being mindful and connecting to yourself and your body, I would love to hear. And especially those maybe um, English speakers or foreigners in Japan, because that's, you know, a different, you have a different background. So I'm connected with people in Japan, I'm connected people in the US, but not so many people who are from other countries living in Japan, because I know Mm. that's a different challenge. So, Mm. you know, hearing from people like that, I think would be, um, really, really uh, useful for me. And it'll give me more um, insight onto how I can help more and more people here. Yes. So get in touch. You, you listeners out there, that's, that's you, right? (laughs) My (laughs) listeners here in Japan. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the show today and we'll keep in touch. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure speaking to you on here. Okay. Have a good day down there in Nagano. We're at thunder and lightning, (laughs) right? Yeah. Take care. (laughs) Thank you. You too. Bye. Well, that was the interview with Mayuko Okai, who is a registered dietitian and helps people with intuitive eating. If you like what you heard, please get in contact with her. All of the links are in the show notes. You can find her link for her book also in the show notes, which will be out by the time you are listening to this podcast episode. So if you have someone you would love to hear on the show, please let me know. I would love to know about your idea. Or if you'd like to be on the show, please just get in contact with me. I'm on Instagram at Transformations with Jane and Facebook. Also, you can find me on LinkedIn with at Jane Nakata. Please drop me a line, say, hey, I've been listening. And I'd love to hear what you've enjoyed recently or what you're looking forward to hearing more of as we go forward with this. I want to say autumn, but I keep saying fall because I've been in Japan too long and my English has become Americanized. (laughs) for this fall winter season of the show. So we'll be taking another break over Christmas. And so until then, I hope you'll enjoy the episodes I have planned for you. Coming up soon, we have, as I mentioned, Dr. Mira Simic, who is a a psychologist. We also have the author, Karen Anton Hill, who's written a book uh, as well. And her book is about her life here in Japan. And she's been in Japan longer than me. She's my Dai Senpai. So I'm really looking forward to talking to her and other really wonderful guests coming for you. So please look forward to that. And I will see you again soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.